0: Good People, Cool Things is a podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. Get inspired by their stories to do your own cool thing. And here's your host, Joey Held. Welcome to Good People, Cool Things. Today's guest is Karen Gershowitz, author of the book Travel Mania Stories of Wanderlust. There's 197 countries in the world. Karen's been to 90 of them, which is Phenomenal! That's so fantastic. She's got plenty more on her list. So we're talking about the ones that she has yet to get to, as well as some of her favorite spots and all of her great stories. It's a travel book, memoir, all that good stuff wrapped up into one. We're talking about how if you're starting a new job, maybe you're looking during the pandemic, you're trying to maybe find a new career opportunity, or, or you know maybe you got laid off and are looking for a fresh start. How you can make sure you're still getting good vacation benefits out of that, how you can talk with your employer and negotiate some better travel options, or even if you're at your job for a while, how you can work your vacation days to your advantage and make sure that when you're leaving, you're leaving everyone in good hands so that you can enjoy traveling without stressing about people back home saying, hey, I don't I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing while you're gone. I don't know why your coworkers might sound like a, a creaky old wardrobe, but hey, sometimes it happens and you don't want... Them to feel ill prepared for your trip out there. Karen's also sharing her top tips for traveling, whether you're new or experienced. I've been to, I don't know, a fifth of the countries that Karen has been to. So some, but still much fewer than she has. And a lot of these tips are super helpful for me. And I'm going to start adopting some of them. So it's wonderful to hear, even if you're an experienced traveler, lots of goodies in this episode. If you'd like to get in touch with Good People, Cool Things, you can reach out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at GPCT Podcast. And while you're at it, head on over to goodpeoplecoolthings.com slash shop. Pick up a hoodie, a hat, shirt, wall art, all that good stuff. You can rock it on your next trip or have it waiting for you when you come back home. Because what I want to do when I get back home from a trip is just kind of curl up, maybe watch a little TV, maybe just head to bed and dream about all the fun stuff that I did. And we don't have to be dreaming because we've got lots of fun stuff in this conversation with Karen. For people who don't know who you are, can you give us your elevator pitch? And can you also tell us the type of elevator that we're riding on? Well, we're
1: riding in the elevator in my apartment building, which is in Midtown Manhattan, actually a block from Lincoln Center. And I, um, best way to describe it is I am a travel fanatic. I have arranged my whole life so that I could travel. I changed careers. I've changed friends, lovers, you name it. I will do anything so that I can travel. Um, And fortunately I managed to get a career that allowed me to travel a lot for business. So in addition to traveling for business, I also got a zillion frequent flyer miles and that helped me to, to really explore the globe. So I've been to 90 countries at this point.
0: Is your plan to visit all, what are we up to, 197? Something like that. The, I don't think I'll through. get to
1: all of them. <laughs> but, um, but I will get to another 20 or 25 for sure.
0: Fantastic. What, what are a couple of places that are on your list that you haven't been to?
1: I've never been to the South Pacific, and I would really like to go to some of the islands in the South Pacific, Um, not Tahiti so much, but the Cook Islands and and some of the more remote islands there. Um, And while I'm in the area, I would like to go to Papua New Guinea, which I have also not been to. Um, I think I've been to every country in South America except for French Guiana. And I would like to go, the other one that's very high on my list at the moment is Malta. Never been to Malta. And people have said that it's just wonderful. So so those are those are high. And then there's a lot of places I want to go back to. Oh, and, and the other one is I want to go to Ghana. Really want to go to mm. Ghana.
0: Awesome. That's a wonderful list. I have been to none of those, so I can't, I, I can't <laughs> add any insights but have also heard especially with Malta I've heard really good things yeah. so it's also also high on my list and we're going to go all the way back now the first place you ever traveled to where was it
1: well when i was about 6 i think my family went up to vacation in canada and that was the first time i had ever heard another language being spoken by the general population and it was kind of a shocker to me. It was like, wait a second, you know, what are they doing here? Um, <laughs> but, but I like to say that I traveled um, in New I grew up in Manhattan and my mother always wanted to travel. And when she was growing up, it was not exactly the right time to be traveling. It was right before the second world war. And um, so going to Europe, you know, and she's Jewish, it would not have been a very good idea. Um, but she was determined. And so we traveled in New York City. And by that, I mean, at, even then, there were restaurants of every possible description in New York City. And she was willing to try anything. You know, I joke about the fact that, that I, I was probably the only seven-year-old that was a proficient with chopsticks and loved sushi you know <laughs> um anyhow she got me fascinated in all of this and then i wanted to go see it for myself and then i took off by myself at age 17 and moved to
0: europe very uh that's so wonderful i i also my parents took me traveling at a very young age and i really do think it it shaped who i am as a person and i think it's so cool when parents are able to do that uh and I'm very, I'm very thankful for it. So I'm glad that you also, very early on, I don't think I was adopting sushi by, by age six, but uh, very impressive.
1: (laughs) I mean, we tried everything. I can't think of a cuisine we didn't. And and even then, if you really looked, you know, you could find some very unusual cuisines because New York really has been, you know, has so many different nationalities that if you were willing to go looking, you could find almost anything. So I tried Indian food and, you know, uh, Thai food at a really young age.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, a really cool part of really visiting anywhere. But New York, especially within the States, is is such a, a melting pot, for lack of a better phrase, of just people that you can, even if you're not looking for something, you might just stumble upon, you know, a, a, like a small like, Thai restaurant or something where you're like, hey, I'm, I'm going to go check this out. And it's, it's great.
1: Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's one of the things that I like best about New York is that it is such a diverse city um, that you can find anything. And, you know, you want to go into a grocery store that has foods that you've never seen before. Um, easy to do that around here. Very easy to do that. And, and it's, it's just, a, you know, plus there are performances when it isn't COVID um, that you can go to, you know, just from all over the globe. If they're going to come anywhere in the U.S., they will be in New York. And, you know, theater and dance and music, you name it. I've been all over the world and it's still one of my favorite places. And for all the reasons I just said.
0: Do you have a favorite show that you've seen?
1: Oh, there's no such thing as a favorite. I always say that my favorite show (laughs) is the next one I'm going to.
0: I like that. I like that. You've been to 90 countries. And it sounds like, you know, they're all, all great experiences. They've all opened up your eyes uh, in, in some way. But of course, not every trip goes smoothly. So I want to hear about one of your worst travel experiences.
1: Well, <laughs> I can think of several. Um, I'm going to give you a business trip that did not go well. Okay. Very early on in my career, um, I was working for an air freight company and my it was international as well as domestic, and we um, sent a lot of freight over to Europe, but they couldn't figure out why they couldn't get freight to come back from Europe to the US. And so I was sent over because I was a marketing strategist and marketing researcher to see if I could figure out why. Within 10 minutes, I had figured it out. And I was young. I was a female in an industry that's totally male. And I wasn't exactly politic about it, to say the the least. I just kind of said, you do what? Mm -hmm. Anyhow, um, and it was in um, Frankfurt, which is not the most wonderful of cities. I like Germany. Frankfurt, I usually describe as being the Newark of Germany, of Germany. (laughs) And, you know, I mean, next to this gorgeous hotel was, you know, three sex stores. And anyhow, so they, um, they got back at me. We went out to dinner at a beer garden. And at the time I was vegetarian. I'm not now, but I was then. And everybody else got served this huge plate of gorgeous food. And then ceremoniously, they brought out to great fanfare and everybody, I swear in the entire restaurant was looking to see what it was and placed this huge plate in front of me and take off this dome and it's two fried eggs. And the entire trip was like that. And then when I had to go back, it didn't get any better. So it's not one of my favorite cities. Since I did not have to go there ever again for business, It's somewhere that I avoid.
0: (laughs) There's plenty of other places too. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. And then other places um, that I really liked when I first went, and I'll give you an example. I've been to Bali several times. The first time I went was in the late 80s and it was still very unspoiled. And then I went again in the mid 90s And it was beginning to get a little bit touristy. And then I went again, I don't know, 2010 maybe, not 2009, 2010. And it was completely overrun by the Australians. And even in remote corners, it it used to be that there was one area that all the Australians went to. Well, now the entire island is taken over by the the Aussies. And I love Aussies, but they destroyed the culture. Um, you know, or they didn't destroy it, but they just made it. It's very commercial now. It, it doesn't have the same feeling it had when I first went there. And because of that, there are certain places that I just don't want to go back to.
0: Now, you've recently written the book, Travel Mania, Stories of Wanderlust. Why did you decide now was the time for a book?
1: Well, I've been writing for a while. I've been I've been writing my whole life and I've been keeping a travel journal my whole life. You know, people often say to me, so how do you remember all of this? Well, because I've been keeping a travel journal. That was something else that my mother really got me started doing as a child, and I just kept it up. And in 1991, I took a year trip around the U.S., and I wrote a book about it. And I got an agent and with a very good literary agency, and then the person who was my agent left the agency and turned me over to another agent who hated travel books. And it had taken me a long time to get the agent and a lot of work. And I was working very hard and and traveling a lot for business. And I just gave up the whole thing. And I started to slow down in my career to get ready to retire about five years ago, and I thought, well, now's the time to really start getting serious about it. And so I started writing different stories and putting it together differently. And it was more that I had the time to do it now than anything else.
0: As far as what people can expect within it, should should people who are like avid travelers read it? Is it people that have never traveled before? Is it all the above? Anyone that just wants to see something else?
1: All of the above. They're great stories, Uh, people who've read it and not necessarily people I know um, have really loved it. And its um, I describe it as a a memoir told through travel stories. And my goal is to get people to go out and adventure and go see the world. Um, Although people who are armchair travelers, I have someone I know who hates to travel And he describes it as this is the best trip I've ever taken and I didn't have to get off my couch. (laughs) Um, So it's for it's for everybody. Um, They're they're just fun stories. Um, But they also tell a lot about what it takes to do it and how creative you have to be, particularly if you're in a in a career. Um, it's not so easy to find the time and the and the ability to do it. And you have to be really creative. And when I was young, I had no money, um, but I figured out ways to to make it happen because I was so passionate about it. And so it's a little bit of all of the above.
0: Let's hop into a couple of those ways because I think that is... Uh, A deterrent for people for traveling a lot of the time is they, you know, they can't take the vacation time or there's just so much going on at work. They feel like, oh, if I, you know, if I leave for a week and a half, like that's going to, that's going to lead to problems down the line. So let's say I have, I, well, okay, let's start that I've recently, I'm interviewing for a new job. I'm not to my current employer. Don't get, don't get worried. (laughs) Uh, But I, if I were interviewing for a new job, I, how can I kind of like weave maybe a little extra vacation time or like some kind of perk into the into the mix there?
1: Negotiate for it, but don't negotiate until you have settled on your salary. That's rule number one is don't talk about vacations until you've figured out how much they're going to pay you. Um, I did that with several jobs and it's less difficult than you would imagine because one of the things that you can do with one of my employers, he said, well, you know, we're not allowed to give more than two weeks. And I said, and who checks up on this? And he looked at me like, oh, my God, she really is gutsy. And and he (laughs) said, well, no one. He said, but they'll notice. I said, I'll tell you what, let's split it up. I'll never take more than two weeks vacation at one time. But if I split it up and we agreed that as long as I only took one two-week vacation a year and took the rest of the time as long weekends or, you know, what I also often do is if there's a three-day weekend, I'll take off the next four days so that you actually end up with a nine-day vacation for four vacation days. And, yeah. And between all of that, it's, it's easy to, it's less difficult than you'd imagine. Um, you know, if they really want you, Um, they'll, they'll be accommodating. And, and you can, you know, trade off for other things. You know, it's like, I will work an extra, you know, before I go, I will work, you know, a few extra hours every single day if I have to, to make sure that nothing is left undone, or that nobody's prepared before I leave. And you have to be pretty clear that you're going to leave things in really good shape which means letting other people know that you're gonna be gone, leaving written instructions, not verbal ones, written ones, so that there's a document that they can go back to and say, oh, this is what we're supposed to do if that happens. Um, The other thing is, if you're going into a new job, negotiate for time off before you start the new job. I've, I've had friends who, go from one job right into the next one and don't take off time in between. And to me that's a golden opportunity to travel because you don't have to worry about what you're leaving behind and you don't have anything new yet that you that you're jumping into. So it's a really relaxing time to go away and you know be able to just relax and explore and not worry about all of that. Now, admittedly, if you've got a family and you've got bills and all the rest of it, it becomes more difficult, but you don't have to go to Japan, you know, travel around locally, um, you know, for a week. Just take some time off, even if it isn't very long, um, and, and give yourself the headspace to get ready for the next job and give yourself an opportunity to, to go do some exploring.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's a very good point of like, they may ask, Hey, can you come in a week or two from now? And you can say like, you know, no, I'd like, I'd like some more time off. And, and I don't think you have to get like super, I mean, if if they press for it, maybe, but as, as an example, I had a new job. I mean, this was like 12 years ago now where, I I was moving from California to Texas to take this job, and accepted it on a Friday. And they were like, "Great, can you start on Monday?" And I was like, "Uh, no. <laughs> Even if I was in the same city, no. But definitely not moving halfway across the country." Right. Uh, and th- and they were they were accepting of that. They're like, oh, "Okay, yeah, well, that makes sense. Like, we'll we'll push it back." Um. And that was tremendously helpful. And like you said, helps you get in the headspace. Definitely reduces a lot of stress. And let me. Get to kind of explore L.A. for the last time before I was I was uh, moving out of there.
1: Absolutely. And I think a lot of people, fear is what holds them back. And the thing that I've discovered in my career, and maybe I'm very unusual, but I don't think so, asking for things and being assertive about it, not aggressive and not horrible about it, which some people are, but being just assertive about it. Uh, gets people's attention in a positive way, not a negative way. It's like, this is somebody who knows what they want and is willing to ask for it. And they see that as playing out in the job that you're in as well as in your own personal life. And that's a good characteristic, not a bad
0: one. What would be a, a bad way to go about it? Like if people aren't as, I, as good at towing the line between assertive and kind of aggressive, like what what would be an example of a bad way to do that?
1: Well, I can't come here unless you give me two weeks.
0: I like that. I like that. (laughs) But don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. That That would be bad.
1: That would be bad. Um, (laughs) What a good way would be, would be to say something like, you know, I would, much as I understand that you really would love to have me come right now, I just need a break. And I'm going to come in much more refreshed and much more ready to hit the ground running. If I have some time off before I start.
0: Boom. Easy. If someone is new to travel, we'll go from beyond business. Maybe they're just traveling for leisure. Maybe they are traveling for business, but they're not as experienced at traveling. What are some of your favorite either tips or things that you always have to bring on a trip with you?
1: Well, I'll do both. I'll give (laughs) give you the tip. Most people go to see a site. I want everybody to rethink this. Think about something you really love to do, and it doesn't matter what it is. It can be baseball. It can be going to see gardens. It can be going to state fairs. I don't care what it is. It doesn't make any difference. Plan the trip around that. Because if you're doing something that you really love and you know that that's going to be the centerpiece of it, the rest of it will come naturally. Whereas going to see the Empire State Building, so you've seen the view, now what? I I personally love gardens. And one of the things that happens is, A, you're not around other tourists. There are a lot of locals there who you can talk to and ask them, what else should I see in the area? I I tend to be fairly chatty. Um, I started my career as as a market researcher and so I'm very good at asking questions and getting people to talk. And I can get anybody to talk, pretty much. And and people love talking about their hometown. They really do. And so if, and if you're somewhere that people are doing something that they also like, for example, you go to a baseball game and you're sitting next to someone for a couple of hours, start chatting with them and say, you know, what's your favorite restaurant? Where in town should I go to? Um, you know, what's the what's the most fun thing to do that's not going to be in a guidebook? You will learn incredible things. And because they're doing something that you also like, they probably are going to suggest things that are going to be interesting to you.
0: Absolutely. And, and I have proof, well, <laughs> this didn't work out exactly, but proof that people are willing to talk in situations like this, I... At a Mets game, actually, I, I in in New York a couple of years ago, I I had called up a friend who had just moved to New York, and I was like, "Hey, like you just moved here, right?" And he was like, "Yeah." I told him I was going to the baseball game. He came on down. We met up, and then a family was maybe eight rows behind us, and their son just came down to where we were sitting, which was the front row in the outfield. And just sat next to my friend, and then they just started talking about baseball for like two and a half hours. And I mean, my friend's in his 30s. This kid is, I, I would guess, eight or nine. I, and, but they were able to bond over that, and it's, it's just so cool to see that happen.
1: It happens all the time, all the time, it, especially if it's something that you really like. You know, I am to, I am to also love crafts, so I'll go, I will look for craft shows all over the country, and, and internationally, I might add. Um, In fact, I was in Budapest a few couple of years before COVID, and I happened to find out that there was a huge crafts fair there. And I was by myself, and I started wandering around. I met more people. A lot of people spoke English. People were so happy to talk to me. They were telling, I mean, I got more restaurant recommendations than I could possibly (laughs) have eaten at. Um, plus, you know, I got invited to someone's home for dinner. You know, this stuff is, if it's something you love, you will make connections. I can almost guarantee it.
0: That's another thing too, that I I think is really unique, more internationally uh, than I would say in the States is people, yeah, like come on over for dinner. Like I just met you, but Hey, we're hitting it off. Why don't you come on over? That's, that's so cool.
1: I've had it happen here too not, not necessarily for dinner, but, um, I was in Arkansas and it's also because I travel a lot by myself. You know, if you're a couple, it's people tend not to do it, but if you're by yourself, which is one of the reasons I like to travel by myself is that people will, um, really ask you, you know, they, they kind of, I don't know if they feel sorry for you or they're curious about you, but I think it's that you're more approachable mm-hmm. and people want to talk with you. And they're curious about the fact that you're traveling by yourself. Everybody's curious about that because not very many people do. And so when they see someone who is, they often have a lot of questions.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's spot on. Now, what are some of the must-haves for you, at least, that you have to bring?
1: Well, my rule of thumb is, if I can't carry it on the plane, I do not bring it. So that's for starters. I never, ever, ever check, check luggage. it. Um, things that I must have, I must have my Kindle with me. Um, I live and die with that thing. Um, you know, it used to be that I would bring stacks of books, but you know, it's like, wow, I can just bring this. Um, I always, um, before I go, download a guidebook and maps maps even more importantly than the guidebook um I always bring a minimum of first aid kinds of things not all that much but some earplugs are an absolute necessity um because you just don't know and I'm a light sleeper and so that's you know, they don't weigh anything. They're very small and they're critical. Um, what else are absolute necessities for me? An extra pair of shoes. Um, because buying shoes in another country is not easy.
0: Oh, Especially, for... I got laughed out of a store in China oh, yeah. for asking if they had shoes in my size. They, were, they looked at my feet. They were like, no, 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 get out of here.
1: Right. That's true. As an American, almost anywhere in the world, you will not be able to buy shoes unless you have very, very small feet. Um, Clothes you can, but not shoes. Um, When I wore glasses, I used to always have an extra pair of glasses with me because that's, again, difficult to replace. It's the things that that you can't replace easily that you bring. The stuff that you can buy elsewhere, and you can buy most things, most parts of the world. You forget a tube of toothpaste. This is not a big issue. Um, you know, you you don't have a second pair of shoes, and the first pair of shoes, I don't know, you get a hole in it, or they get soaking wet. You're in trouble. Um, so it's the things that are that are not replaceable, as opposed to things that are easily obtainable. And I I know people who you know, have to have every possible the bug spray and the suntan lotion. And I always buy that stuff wherever I'm going, as opposed to carrying it with me. And then I get rid of it before I leave. And that means that I can do carry on, you know, so it's that kind of thing that you, you know, it's, it's not going to be more expensive there than it is here. And then you don't have to carry it.
0: Yeah, I think that's such a, and I'm trying to think the last time I checked a bag and I think it was when I, I, we went to a a distilling or distillery in London and they just had, they gave us a bunch of gin bottles because it was part of a a class. So I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to waste like eight bottles of this. (laughs) I guess I'll take it out. Right. We'll check one of these bags. But yeah, otherwise, totally with you. It just, it makes it so much easier to just.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And if you're traveling in the US, quite honestly, there's nothing that's critical. Except your phone.
0: Yeah. Okay. Your phone and your Kindle. You're all set. <laughs> Easy. You don't need to check a bag for and that. So, <laughs> uh, really? I mean, I know
1: pe- I, I actually have friends, you know, and I, this is another, another really good tip. Save up all your old underwear that you're about to toss out. Don't get rid of it. Carry it with you when you travel and toss it as you go. Because then you have room for souvenirs on the way back. Yeah, you have old t-shirts, you know, bring old t-shirts, toss them as you go. And then you've got plenty of room for whatever you're going to pick up as a souvenir along the way.
0: This is great. And you get to, it's like you're spreading yourself around, around the world because you're like, hey, I'll pass it on now. Yeah. Except, except, of,
1: <laughs> except, except in certain countries, you have to be very wily about it. I was in China. And I threw out a bra, and as I'm leaving the hotel, they come running after me with the bra, going, "Did you leave this behind?" I was like, "Oh no, oh no." <laughs> so I've learned now: you bury it in a bag, and you know, at the bottom of the
0: garbage. <laughs> don't yeah, don't make it obvious until you're you're on the plane. Don't yeah. make it obvious.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's but it's a great way. I mean, I I was on a trip. Um, in Tanzania, and one of the guys they had told us to bring stuff to barter, and he brought different clothes, I mean totally different clothes for every single day and gave it all away in exchange for things and um, I think he ended up going home with more stuff than he came with, but it was a it was a great strategy. He said he had just saved up old clothes for a year, and anything that he thought you know. I probably won't wear this again, or I never really liked it. He brought on the trip with him.
0: That's very impressive. That's like that. I'm gonna forget what it is now. Like the the story of the the man who traded a paperclip for a house eventually because he just kept trading. On that's like the real life application of it. I like I like it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and it makes you a lot of friends. They're thrilled, you know, especially in in um, um, developing countries. People really do like you know, a pair of American jeans It's worth a lot. And so you make a lot of friends, and then you have room for stuff.
0: <laughs> well, I'll ask you this question, then you can let me know if you if you have anything to add. Because I feel like we have kind of covered it. But one of the questions that I like to ask is a question you wish you were asked more frequently. And for you, it was, aside from traveling, because we know you love to travel, but what are some of your other passions, and how do you combine them?
1: Well, I, we sort of have done that, but i love I love gardens, I love crafts. I love going to to um, music of various kinds, and um, all of those things I incorporate into my travel and food. And let us not forget food. Um, and And one of the great things about particularly traveling overseas, but in this country too, is going for cooking classes. I have taken cooking classes all over the globe. And the best ones are when they're in someone's home. So you get to see their home, they take you out to the market. You know, I love walking through markets, but I often don't know what anything is. And if I don't speak the language, which is usually the case, I have no idea what I'm looking at. And if you go with someone who's gonna now teach you how to cook, they'll explain everything and they'll get you tastes of things. And it's, it's just great fun to do. And it, I've done it in, um, I've done it in Korea. I've done it in Japan, in New Orleans. There's tons of places like that. I've done it in Bali, Vietnam. I mean, I've done it a lot of places and it's Italy and it's, it's just, just great fun. So again, that's doing something that's around your
0: passion. Have you ever found a, a, or or done a cooking class where the, food was something really unusual or do they kind of stick to more traditional dishes for the country? No,
1: often they're very unusual. Um, in, in China, I actually stayed at someone's home and I, to this day, I'm not sure I know what we were eating, but it was tasted great. I mean, I knew we made, we made dumplings, but what they were filled with, I wasn't sure I really wanted to know, um, but. But it was great. I mean, I really, you know, they were, they had us rolling out the dough and they, you know, they were explaining how you put it together and by demonstrating, cause they did not speak English, mm-hmm. but it was, it was great fun. It was just great fun. I've done it in Mexico. You know, I learned how to make mole sauce, which is not easy. easy.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's very impressive.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was great. I mean, it's, you know, so yes, that's, that is something that I, I, I frequently do just because it's, I like being in the culture. You know, I don't wanna just look out a window. I wanna be in with people and experiences and, and doing things that are, that somebody in the local area would do. And cooking is something that everybody does all over the globe. And it's a great way to learn about a culture. It really is.
0: Yeah, it's I would say possibly the best way along with music I think are two like the top two ways to to learn about things like that. And you mentioned how you like bringing guides. And I think I think we can say that your your book Travel Mania is both both serves as a guide and a memoir and just lots of great stories within it. But we're putting your book to the side. We're putting it on the Kindle so you've got it to read. What are th- your top three other books about travel that everyone needs to check out?
1: Bill Bryson is my role model.
0: I love Bill Bryson. I think I have
1: read every one of his books. And the very first one that I read was, right after it was published, I bought it in London and it was called The Lost Continent. And I was reading it laughing. I bought it at the airport on, and at Heathrow on my way back home and I'm sitting on the plane reading it laughing out loud. And everybody around me is going, what are you reading? And I, I've converted many people to reading it and I, I, can't, I can't begin to tell you how funny he is, how, how insightful he is. And most people know him for a walk on the Appalachian Trail but he's got, the early books are hilariously funny. Um, I think there's another one called Neither Here Nor There. There's there's several of them. Um, There's an Irish writer, and her name is Dervla Murphy. And I also discovered her when I was in Europe. Um, She is the most adventurous travel I have ever heard of, read. This woman is intrepid in ways that You couldn't convince me to do most of the things that she's done. She went, the very first book she she wrote was called Full Tilt, From Ireland to India with a Bicycle. And she went literally by herself on a bicycle over the, the mountains. I mean, this woman's nuts. Um, And she did that in, I think, the early 70s, maybe, maybe even the late 60s, when it was much harder to travel. Then she has another one that's called Eight Feet in the Andes. She has a young daughter, and she and her daughter and a mule go into the hinterlands in the Andes in Peru and hike for three months or two months, and meeting people along the way. And you know, she's got books about Ethiopia. Anyhow, she's a fabulous writer. Um, you feel like you are with her and doing things that no one in their right mind would do, but it's fascinating to read about. Um, and then there's a lot of other books that I just like. Um, Anthony Bourdain, I always loved his show, um, but he also wrote a book called World, um, World Travel that I like a lot. Um, there's another woman... Alexandra fuller who <clears throat> they're memoirs but they're really travel books and they're terrific um so that's a few of them i i like reading travel books so i have, i could give you a lot of people to read but
0: what's well, it. Yeah. <clears throat> but
1: those would be those would be kind of top of the list it's
0: a fantastic list for sure and if people want to learn More about you or pick up a copy of Travel Mania Stories of Wanderlust. Where can they find you?
1: Well, Travel Mania is on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, pretty much anywhere. Um, And you should have no trouble getting it. It just went into second printing, so that's nice news. Yeah, considering that it's only been out two weeks, I'm very excited about that. Um, And I have a website, um, and it's... Very easy, karengershowitz.com, my name and .com, and you got it. And if you read the book, I have a section on the site that has photographs that go with every single chapter in the book. So if you look under Travel Mania and you scroll down a bit, you'll see gallery. And the gallery literally is every single chapter with photographs. Um and and I'm a good photographer, so there's some terrific photographs on there.
0: Well, in the next episode, I'm gonna ask you to teach me photography because I I <laughs> still something I struggle with sometimes.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, what I didn't tell you is I said I told you I changed careers. My education, I have a BFA and an MFA in ceramics.
0: Cool.
1: So I have a fine arts background. Very nice. So there's a there's a reason why. <laughs>
0: Awesome. Well, Karen, thank you so much. This was fantastic, and it's—I'm like thinking of all the trips now that I'm like planning in my head. So, excellent work. <laughs> well, good.
1: Get out there and go for it, and and thank you for having me. This was great fun. Absolutely.
0: And let's end with a corny joke, as we always do. Uh, why does a plane engine hum? No idea. Because it doesn't know the words. Get after it today, people. Okay. <laughs>